rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damn it, Damien. All right, buddies. Now, on this week's episode, I bring you a very special episode all the way from Chicago, Illinois. That's right, friends. I went up to uh, Chicago for Riot Fest 2012. Uh, and goddamn, did I have an adventure. Like, I'm still kind of in awe of what happened, and it's been about two, almost three weeks now since this adventure occurred. Uh, we're going to talk about that more either next week or the week's after's episode. Um, but basically, the end of my Friday night adventure there ended up with me jumping into a cab with a legendary hardcore, uh, Boston hardcore band lead singer and the owner of a, a record label that's uh, pretty notorious. Um, we'll talk about that more on that episode when that does come and happen uh i took a couple weeks off as you'll hear on today's episode i did lose my voice at the end of the sh- uh my chicago trip um yeah it sucked so i'm i'm listening back to this quality and it sound so sick and pitiful um i got i got back to colorado and was deathly ill with uh festival aids uh and then last week i was overrun with deadlines for uh some of my amp magazine writing work and some of my freelance uh stuff so needless to say we took a couple weeks off now I'm recharged, I'm regenerized. Is that a, even a word? Who cares? Let's keep going. Uh, and I'm ready to uh, bring you some more, um, some more interviews. The more retarded, the better, right? Uh, this week's episode, I did go to Chicago, Illinois, and I, I praised Chicago for its public transit system. And uh, what happened is, is uh, it, Google Maps is fantastic for this, too. You just type in where you're going to go. You type in the bus in transit it'll it'll tell you what bus to get on what train to get on what exit to get off what bus to get back on where to walk what to do fantastic it knew it down the uh, bus schedules down to the minute and uh thank you google maps and chicago uh tram system whatever the hell you're called uh but the exception is is you have to put in the right street i had the right street name just a wrong i had an avenue instead of a street took me an hour outside of town i saw the cubs stadium i text text today's guest and i'm like Hey, buddy, I'm all the way an hour outside of town. He's like, yeah, no worries, man. I'm not even there yet. Um, I'll just meet you at the studio at four. That's right. I went to uh, Atlas Studios, the home of Matt Allison, um, world-renowned record producer. Uh, You may have heard of Matt Allison um, through the records that he's produced over the years. Some of the names, uh, just, you know, he started off recording bands like Alkaline Trio. Yeah, that's right, Alkaline Trio, the Lawrence Arms. Uh, Now he's doing bands like the Smoking Popes, the Menzingers, the Arrivals, and my buddy's Elway. Uh, fantastic, really low-key dude. Um, his footprints are over many of the best albums of the last few years, and he's helped to refine that Chicago sound. I mean, like, would Alkaline Trio be as awesome as they are today if it wasn't for Matt Allison? I don't know. He just hit that little magic, like, awesome button on his uh, keyboard uh, control panel there, and then we're off and running. Uh, but seriously, he, he's left his footprint on so many great records, and so many producers and bands are out there trying to mimic that Chicago sound that he's helped build and refine. And, like, look, I was really, really just more than excited, and I was overwhelmed, and I was sick, and I was nervous, and here I am, I walk into Atlas Studios an hour late, sweating balls god damn the humidity in chicago was just out of control and everybody in chicago was looking at me like i'm a freak so i'm used to the no humidity of colorado and i'm just flop sweating everywhere i walk in the atlas studios matt shakes my hand says welcome (laughs) and uh uh it it was i was just awestruck because there i was in this this place and you know it, it may not have been the same spot where god damn it was recorded but it was still like the the place where menziger's recorded on the impossible past and 
um, Mass Intruder just recorded their new record, and the Smoking Popes have been there. Dude from Lawrence Arms, Neil Hennessy, works there. I mean, it's just overwhelming. And is it anything special? No, it's just a nondescript little-looking studio. There's some really cool stuff on the walls. Um, and Jesus, Matt Allison was one of the coolest dudes I've, I've, I've yet to meet here on the show. Uh, he's really laid back, low-key, and humble. Uh, he seems slightly surprised by success. It doesn't go to his head at all. He's just a dude. Um, luckily, like he's a, uh, you know, not the front man. He's just a guy who's hanging out in the crowd. And if you happen to know him, you happen to know him. And really, that's it's it's really just an honor to have met such a cool guy. He was sitting back there smoking on his uh, vaporizer cigarette thing, just puffing away. Uh, he seemed a little nervous going into the interview. He, he, he even he openly said that hey, I don't do a lot of interviews great that's cool uh you know and uh his success doesn't seem to have gone to his head it's only seemed to have made him work harder um and you know and and that's really a very fantastic thing to see as i know it would go straight to my head hell i've only this is the 27th episode of this podcast and just the fact that people recognize me everywhere well not everywhere i go but places i go it just blows me away and i'm like oh look at me i'm big shot uh but no i mean like i'm hanging out at atlas studios there's no private tour Matt's sitting there watching Sports Center, you know, and he's just like, hey, take a look around, take photos, do whatever you want to do, hang out as long as you want, man. And he's just sitting there chilling, watching Sports Center. I could have been doing anything back there. I found an Alkaline Trio's old bass drum, you know, I could have been jerking off on that thing, but no, 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 no. I found uh, love notes left by the masked intruder gentleman, and, you know, who knows what else was in there that I touched and saw and nondescript things and just. Uh, notebooks. You know, I've heard that you can just open up one of the notebooks he has laying in his room and find lyrics to God damn it just sitting there. And, uh, you know, he's just a cool dude who's just like, hey, hang out, have a blast. And uh, thanks thanks a lot, Matt, for uh, hanging out. Unfortunately, you know, like I say, I lost my voice. I'm sick. I'm nervous, stuttering, and sober. Ugh. Who lets me do an interview sober anymore? Actually, I should do all my interviews sober uh we hung, i hung out with neil hennessy and isaac from uh the arrival well neil hennessy from the lawrence arms isaac trots i think that's how you say it uh from the arrivals later on that night we did an interview about their band treasure fleet which will air in the next couple weeks um neil works at atlas studios and goes you guys did it in the lounge why didn't you guys do it in the control room that's the best sounding room in chicago but matt matt put it perfectly um, actually, I can't remember if Matt actually said this or what, but he said, you know, I mean, hey, I wanted to be comfortable. I wanted him to be comfortable. And the thought process in my head was like, when Matt's in the control room, he's working. When he's out in the lounge, hanging out, drinking a drink, puffing on his little vaporizer cigarette, he's relaxing. So uh, it's it's a little interesting little noise, but it's a soundproofed room. And uh, again, my voice is gone, but who cares? I get to meet Matt Allison. I get to go to Atlas Studios, and I'm still just like, holy shit. Is this real life? Uh, we talk in the episode a little bit about uh, Wilhelm Scream playing later on that night at Township. I did indeed go to that. Matt did indeed go to that. And that's where I hung out with Isaac and Neil uh, from Treasure Fleet and the respective bands. Uh, great night. It was great hanging out with Matt outside the studio, too. Um, he's text messaged me and emailed me a couple times. And this is like, dude, is this real life? Seriously, friends, am I dreaming? Did, did that car wreck I get into a few years ago, like, am I paralyzed in a coma can't believe this shit just wait till you hear next week's episode i'm gonna quit rambling um i texted matt because that's what you what i can do i can text message heroes of mine now because i have their phone numbers what a fucking it's so bizarre and weird and love it and i asked him what uh i wanted to play a masked intruder song it's not a record i've uh 
jumped into and just fell in love with yet. Um, but Matt suggested a couple songs that were his favorite off that album. Uh, he suggested, why don't, let's, let's read this, why don't you have to, why don't you love me in real life? I can't even read my own handwriting, friends. Why don't you love me in real life? And he also suggested, how do I get to you? And uh, I listened to both tracks. And I think, how do I get to you is the more stronger uh, track to introduce you guys to this band with. Um, and I've only listened to this album a couple times, but already I'm hooked. It's a strong contender for top five albums of the year. I still don't think it's going to be Menziger's uh, Chamberlain, not Chamberlain Waiting, on the Impossible Past. But uh, we'll see. I'm going to quit rambling. We're going to play How Do I Get to You off Mass Intruder, off their self-titled album, Mass Intruder, put out by Red Scare Records of Chicago, Illinois. Who would have thought? All right, guys, here we go. All right, so I'm hanging out uh, at the famed Atlas Studios with Mr. Matt Allison, record producer extraordinaire. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing, I am doing very well today. Yeah. So you were saying you didn't get out to see any of the uh, Riot Fest festivities, but you did see Bob Mould. I saw Bob Mould on Friday. Yes, my, uh, my friend Jason Narducci plays bass in his band, and um, uh, Bob Mould played two sold-out shows at the Metro here in Chicago, and... It was a lot of fun. And then last night, uh, after Riot Fest, 
I went and hung out with some of my friends as they were coming back from the show. So it was a good yeah. weekend. Yeah, it was it was a blast. I uh, I skipped the Bob Mold. I went and saw Dan Vapid and uh, Naked Reagan instead. But it was a fantastic. You know, I met I met some rad people, which we won't talk about. But it was just like mind blowing. But I kind of wish I had gone to that uh, Bob Mold show. Still, anyway. There were a lot of shows, good shows this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody asked, uh, did you grow up in Chicago or the Chicago area? I grew up uh, in uh, Rockford, which is about ninety miles west of here. Yeah, and um, moved here. Let's see, about just a little over 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I can't imagine that when you were like a young man in middle school or high school, you decided back then you wanted to be a record producer. What did you want to be when you actually grew up at, at like that age? Right. Uh, I was really into music. I was a musician when I was a kid and um, pretty much knew um, probably by the time I was in middle school that I was yeah. that music was going to be the the primary um, focus of the rest of my life, which was nice to get that kind of out of the way, knowing that. Yeah, but you. But at that time, you thought you were going to be like a guitar player or something, right? Right. I started out playing guitar and bass, and um, probably had aspirations to 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 be a musician, which I was, but I wasn't super into touring. Uh, but I was really, I really enjoyed the recording process of being in a band. So that's sort of how I gravitated towards doing this yeah uh for me like uh the broadways and the alkaline trio those records really helped open up the doorway of me into my musical discovery journeys and whatnot and they played a pretty impactful role in my life and you of course worked on both of them uh what earlier albums and bands had a huge impact on you maybe not influence so much as just like opened up doorways and ideas and changed thought processes yeah, I think uh, one of the the records that really got me to say to myself, "Well, I want to do this recording thing for real," because I think it's a lot of fun and neat, and I like this kind of music. Was probably the um, the last Descendants album that was made before they became All, which was the album was actually called All, and I just loved that record so much. I loved how it sounded. Uh, I looked on the back of the record, and there it said, "You know, produced by Bill Stevenson." And I was like, wow, this guy is amazing. He writes these songs, he plays these amazing drums, and he also, like, you know, records these awesome records. And I was like, kind of want to do what that guy does. And that was, uh, that was a pretty key, that was a pretty key uh, album as far as influencing me to, to go in the direction that I ended up going. Yeah. Um, and then, so, you're in college, and you start recording your friend's bands. Is that how that worked out? Yeah, pretty much, yep. Well, I, that's, I, was, I was a musician, um, and... I was I went to school in Champaign, Illinois, at the University of Illinois, but not for very long. I the, I was really down there primarily because um, Champaign has had a pretty um, good tradition of being a, a, a very good music town, especially considering it's in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, down down in central Illinois, and so the the going to school thing was more just sort of a ruse to to mask me wanting to live in this in this cool music city which 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 was which was a lot cooler than the one i grew up in rockford um then yeah it uh it just sort of evolved from recording my own bands and then started recording my friends bands in like the basement and things like that you know and then how did you even uh you worked at a studio in champagne did you work at a studio in champagne or just your own well we i we had uh, my friend and i had a makeshift studio in our attic 
where we had a um, eight track reel to reel machine, and we just recorded a lot of, uh, a lot of just a lot of local bands. And by sheer accident, in uh, a coincidence or whatever, um, and this was 1989. Uh, I recorded the band Uncle Tupelo, which evolved into. Wilco later on, but uh, I did their first demo tape. It was probably one of the very, it was was literally one of the very first things I ever recorded, and just turned out ended up being a really you know they ended up being an amazing band, and the recording turned out rather well for for being done in an attic. Uh, it got them a record deal, and then they went on to become sort of legendary in the alt country yeah. field. And then uh, yeah, I had no idea. I'd never heard I. In my research, I didn't hear that. Uh, do you still get credit for like them taking off or anything? Have you ever worked with them again? No, I have not. I've never worked with them after that, other than um, I did their live sound a few times when they... I moved to Chicago very shortly after that, maybe a couple of years after that, and helped them get their first show at an old club here called Lounge Jacks, uh, where that was run by a woman named Sue Miller, who Jeff Tweedy ended up marrying... Wow. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're married. They live in Chicago, with, and they have some kids. Uh, and I see Jeff every now and then, and he's a wonderful guy, and we're, we're certainly on excellent terms. But they, they play a little bit different kind of music than the stuff that I generally work on, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, but they were wonderful guys, and I consider myself very lucky to have worked with them. Yeah. Uh, when did you – you were just talking about moving to Chicago. What, uh, what brought about the change? Well, I wanted to, I wanted to do the studio thing in a more serious manner, and I didn't really feel like I could do it, do that in Champaign because of its small size. I thought moving to a big city like Chicago would would afford me more uh, opportunities and education to learn and whatnot. So, and this was this is about twenty years ago, and I um, was lucky enough that I got a job doing live sound almost right away. Um, and uh, via doing live sound, I met a guy that worked at a studio, and I got a studio job. Cool. For worked in that for about five years, and then opened Atlas um, fifteen years ago. Yeah. Do you ever? When was the last time you did live sound? I don't do live sound very often. Uh, that's it's been. Um, boy, I don't even really know how long it's been. <laughs> it's been it's been a while. Yeah. It's live sounds a um, a tricky by the seat of your pants sort of endeavor. And especially nowadays, because bands don't ever get, they don't do sound checks, is what I've noticed so much anymore. A band will just basically go sit up on the stage, check their instruments, and then they're off and running. So I usually like to take a little bit more measured approach. So (laughs) yeah, ended up not working out for me as well. Yeah, I know a lot of studio guys that have uh, tried their hand at running live sound, and some of them can pull it off. Some of them, it's just they they don't like the stress of it. Yeah, it can be stressful for sure. Yeah, a lot of unknowns there. Yeah. So you opened up Atlas. How scary was you opened it up on your own, right? Uh, mm-hmm. How scary was it jumping into that deep end at that point, or had you already established yourself? I um, I had something of a clientele at that point, uh, but I also I, I sorry about this. I should turn this down. Uh, but I also had um, I think I had a job as a bar back, so <laughs> at a pretty cool bar and so I had sort of a side income that that made it a relatively stress-free stress-free um, experience uh, and it 
the other thing that helped was like pretty much right after I opened it, I think I probably worked with the Broadways like very, very soon after the studio opened. So things and things took off pretty quickly from there. I, I, I started recording a lot of the Chicago punk bands like almost immediately after op- opening up. Sorry about my phone constantly going off. I'm going to <laughs> turn this off. You're a popular guy. This is getting texted a lot here. Yeah, I guess a Wilhelm Scream is playing tonight. Last minute show. Oh, we're at at uh, Township. Ooh, nine I might, o'clock. I might, I might have to go to that. Yeah, that should be fun. Love those dudes. Um, so why Atlas? Are you carrying like the world <laughs> on the shoulder? Um, you know, I had a list of names for the studio, and I hadn't really picked one. And I had was getting a phone number for for myself. Uh, it was the same phone number I have now. They call they call it a vanity number because it's an easy number to remember. And but the phone company was like, you have to have a name if you want this number. And I just sort of like. I think there was actually a road atlas also sitting near the phone when I was talking to the person. <laughs> and I, I thought to myself, like, that seems like that'll work. I think I'm okay with that. And kind of made a snap decision, and it ended up working out okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always liked that Greek mythology story. Is it Greek? Whatever, you know, the guy carrying the world on his shoulders. So. Yeah. And then there's also the, 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 the interesting, uh, uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of, uh, is it, Ayn Rand, I can't remember, uh, yeah. but the book Atlas Shrugged, but uh, some people have asked if it carries any of that sort of connotation, <laughs> then it, I'm, I'm not a, a, a Rand follower, so. Right, it's just a snap decision <laughs> that ended up working for, you know, how long has it been now? Uh, it's been, it's actually been 16 years. Wow, fantastic, congratulations. Thanks, man, thank um, you. Uh, how long did it take you to develop uh, your ear for producing, or is that something? Is that something somebody can develop, or is it something just a raw talent you have to have? Um, I think uh, was, well, as far as the producing end of things, that 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 is uh, that's you know a lot of that comes from the musical decision perspective, and that stuff. Um, my family was, both my parents were involved in music, so I had that. <coughs> in my life pretty much mm-hmm. from when I was a very small child so uh, I developed pretty strong musical opinions very very early on and those are just basically the same ones that I carry around today and sort of the decisions that I make are basically all just based on a sort of my own aesthetic and gut instincts I, I, I don't have any formal training as far as any of this goes I just sort of taught myself and just kind of made it happen and well, I mean, you, uh, you've, <laughs> it's obviously worked out. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in here in a minute. Uh, I, I listened to the uh, Broken Star album today for the first time in a long, long, long time, and that was that was. I remember buying that from one of Asian Man Records, like buy three for fifteen CDs thing, and uh, right. fantastic album. I, I don't know why I hadn't listened to it so long, and it's still it, it held up. It's still good, strong, powerful. That was one of the first records to come out of here, right? Absolutely, yeah. And this this is the third um, incarnation of the studio physical space. The, we started out in the Andersonville neighborhood, which is uh, not too far south of Evanston, and we had two spaces there that were both pretty small spaces, probably around 750, maybe 800, 800 square feet, and um, they were very uh, sort of 
low budget affairs, but they got the job done for for simple punk rock stuff. And then we moved into this kind of fancy place um, here in um, 2006, nice. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard Broken Star in a long time either. Um, so if it's holding up well, that's <clears throat> that's good to hear. Yeah, it was good. It was strong. It was powerful. And I was just curious, like. Um, I mean, I was about to ask what it's like to revisit those albums, but you haven't listened to them. What about the early Alkaline Trio and stuff? Do you ever go back and listen to those and cringe? Um, you know, I, I enjoy the... Um, I, I really enjoy those uh, early Alkaline Trio records. I think something like, uh, you know, in particular, God Damn It is an, a record that, while it's sort of um, not... Uh, you know, recorded in, in any sort of mainstream commercial s- uh, sense, it's um, I think it's really well done for that kind of th- for the kind of music that it is, um, and I think that record is like I say, it's a very it's a very raw record, but I think it holds up really really well. I think that record's kind of kind of become a classic of of the genre from from what I can deduce. People love that album a lot. I'd say it's a classic, yeah. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you have a hand in the remastering too when that happened a couple of years back yeah that was one of the more, most difficult things I've ever actually done because trying to put together put that back together was um, was was sort of trying to relive a moment in time that you know where everything just sort of worked uh, when it happened and I, I, I wasn't necessarily of the opinion the thing should have been messed with at all right. I thought it was Kind of, for the most part, pretty much fine as it was. Um, so trying to get it, put it back together so it had the same flavor as the original, but but sounded slicker for the band was very very difficult actually because I, I I think I, I prefer the original one myself and I think that's uh, uh, I think that one holds up really well. Yeah, that's the one I usually go to yeah. first and foremost. Um, so I'm not too nerdy on like recording equipment, but how much of a role does the equipment actually play in it, or is it? Uh, you know, um, yeah. I mean, like in the recording process, is it the gear or is it the people that well, make it's it both. sound good? Well, it's both. There's a lot of there's it, it. What it really is, it's a it's a um, it's a combination of adding um, a lot of things together to create um, a, a final a final thing. It's a lot like truthfully, it's a lot like cooking in that way, <laughs> where there's a lot of disparate ingredients that are put together. And what you ultimately, hopefully, get at the end is something that's better than the than the parts from which it was made. Um, but yeah, the gear the, the the gear is important as far as if if you're wanting, um, you know, a very professional or commercial sounding uh, record. The, the 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 early stuff at Atlas was done on very very cheap equipment. Um, <clears throat> we've upgraded our equipment down through the years more and more. Um, but then also the, the you know things like the room are very important. The room that the band plays in, the acoustics of the room are important. The microphones are are very important. So, yeah, gear wise, we've imp- we've sort of gradually uh, upgraded stuff, and I think it's helped the Sonics down through the years. I think the still the but the spirit of what we try to do here, I think, is pretty much remained the same, which is just make honest records that people can really like identify with and close to themselves you know yeah. like really like become uh, you know very close to and tight with that mean a lot to people you know yeah. so uh, 
uh, the Menzingers album uh, on the Impossible Paths. I think it's the best record to come out this year um, so far. I mean, it's, it's it's still what September, um, but like, how do you refine like? They're a live band. They're just like a force to be reckoned with. But on that album, I was describing the Tom. Uh, I've come up with a better analogy since, but uh, it's kind of like right before Bruce Banner becomes the Incredible Hulk. Like you can feel that energy in there, but it's just held back just enough. Like, how do you? Is that them? Is that you? Is that some kind of like combination of both? Or what? what how does something like that happen? Um, you know, we worked. I love those guys. We worked together. Uh, very seamlessly and it's it's a very smooth thing um we really it's just a very collaborative collaborative effort where we sit down and just decide what sounds best to all of us you know and um sometimes they'll you know if they if they're if they're running into a stumbling block on something i'll suggest something um sometimes some of the songs need to will occasionally get rearranged a little bit to to provide a little bit more impact or something mm-hmm. um so it's 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 a very it's a very actually it's a very easy process in the sense that we get along so well uh this is a really comfortable place to record so it's more just like guys having fun hanging out and making just making the music that they want to hear yeah. you know so 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 what happens when you make a suggestion to a band and they don't listen to it uh do you <laughs> just go go with that or yeah, I mean, do you, I, argue? you know, it's 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 always the band's record, and I, you know, I, I the way that I kind of do things is I generally don't want to speak up unless I feel like I'm making a valid point, and then you know I make my case for it, and you know if the band agrees with me, that's great. If they don't, then I'm sure they have valid reasons for that also. So, I was talking to a guy who uh, I, I won't say any names, but he was like, "Yeah, we were recording this recording studio, and the producer just telling it kept telling us that we suck, we don't know anything about music." <laughs> That's not a very positive uh, way to go about making yeah. a record. <laughs> so hopefully they won't. They'll choose someone else to work with next time. Um, so okay. So um, l- let me let me regroup here. I've been jumping around. Um, how do you refine somebody's sound or like? What, so the Menzingers, just example. They they come to you. They're like, we want to make a record with you. How does? What's the process of you vetting them or whatnot? Do you? What What's the process for a band like that to come in here? I mean, like before they get in here, or once right. they're actually well, both. in here, like so. So they contact you and they're like, "Hey, we want to record with you. What do you do as a producer? Because your name's going to be on it. What do you right. do? What do you look for in projects?" Uh, well, the first thing I usually try to do is get. Uh, it's very important to get uh, the demos of the songs from the band so we can discuss the songs yeah. prior to, to recording them. Um, having the songs done and, and and demoed at least in some form is is really key. And when that if a band doesn't do that, I think it tends to bring about more hurdles once they're actually in the studio because there's um, uncertainty about things. Um, so that's a that's a pretty key thing. With the last Menzingers album, what we did was is they did you know there's a fair amount of demo making that they did back home in Philly. Uh, you know they'd email me those and then I'd email them suggestions for things that I liked and didn't like, like say. Uh, drum parts or arrangement issues, the length of songs, length of sections. And so that process would go back and forth via email for a, a few months. And then when they load, when they, the first day that they came in, uh, we just set the band to set up in the, in the live room here, uh, like they would if they were rehearsing or something. And we set up some mics and basically recorded them 
playing live uh, the songs that we were going to record. So it was like doing a, sort of a new demo. And so we did that. <clears throat> we just kind of ran it down in, in the, during the day. And then uh, we made a CD of it and then came out here in the lounge, popped it in the CD player, and then all just kind of sat around and listened to it and sort of discussed, like, what seemed like it was working well, what wasn't. You know, we made notes on every one of the songs mm-hmm. and figured, talked about tempos, how fast or slow something should go. And then uh, once that was done, the next day we, we sort of had a game plan and we set about doing it. Started off with the drums and just built it from there. Cool. And uh, so, like, you've you've made some pretty phenomenal records here, you know. Kiss your ass a little bit more, you know. Good. You know, uh, like the Alkaline Trio, the Lawrence Arms, they've influenced millions and millions of people, I, I hope. Thousands, whatever. <laughs> words. Um, so when you're making something like that, do you know it's something special is or are you too close to the picture to really no i think i can i think um yeah you can always you always have um i'm fortunate enough that i at at this point i'm very fortunate that i i pretty much just work with really cool bands which is you know i'm I'm extremely lucky in that sense I'm, i'm a very lucky person um and then yeah there'll be times when there'll be a record that uh you know, it's, sometimes you can tell right away that a record's going to be really, that everyone's going to love it. Like the Mass Intruder record, I knew as I was, like even before I'd really, once I'd had the, the demos and everything and the songs, I knew, um, I was like, this record's going to slay. And I just have to, all I have to do now is put everything together and, and we're going to be set. The Menzingers record, this most recent one, we had spent we were it was a different sort of work process where there was more demoing going on and more refining of the songs as we as we led up to and during the recording process so that might have been an instance of where i was so in it that um i didn't necessarily know i mean i knew i i thought it was great and i simply hoped everybody else did too you know yeah um so, so I, I I was laying in bed last night, just dreaming up questions, and that's what I do. I just lay in bed and just overthink everything. Do you ever just lay in bed late at night? And I'm like, how can I get that drum feel? I'm to a, sound yeah, better? I'm a poor sleeper, so yes, I, I spend <laughs> my brain is very active when it comes to that, so I can relate to that for sure. Yeah. Um, can you can you ever sit back and just listen to music, or are you dissecting things at all times? No, no, I listen to music all the time. Um, that I. I uh, I listen to it almost exclusively on Spotify, and uh, it's, in fact, since I got Spotify, I got Spotify pretty much, I think, the week it was introduced here in the U.S., and um, it's been an amazing thing. It's like having all the world's music right there, at, you know, on your computer instantaneously. It's a, it's, it's an awesome thing, and I've definitely been listening to more music since since I got it. So yeah, I still enjoy the hell yeah. out of it. Yeah, that mu- that the music app on my phone, or at least on my—I don't know about the iPhone, but it's fantastic. I, that's when I, I first listened to Mass Intruder today for the first time, and it was—I need to listen to it more. It might be a contender for a record of the year. Yeah, too. it's 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 an amazing album. Um, so I mean, uh, do, 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 do you ever get tired? I mean, I guess you don't get tired of music. You just said that, but um, oh, go back a second. Um, we were talking about you get the work. You're lucky to get to work with the people you do. Do you ever lobby for jobs, or do you like please come come record? Or yeah, you know, well, I'll, it, it generally, um, the, you know, the the bands more often than that will contact me. But there's also 
I, it's it's I, I try to go to as many shows as possible. Uh, it's, it's, um, and that's where I'll, I'll meet a lot of bands. Is mm-hmm. is, is that via that? Um, you know, going to something like say the Fest this year. I'll be going to the Fest. Um, I, I I love going. I love that town and that music festival a lot. But also, it's it's a great way to see all of my friends and, and the bands that I've worked with. Because there's a lot of them playing down there, and then also, but also see other new bands and meet them, and you know, let them know that if they ever want to come to Chicago and record with us, we'd love to have them. Yeah. Uh, so Toby pretty much has all the Red Scare stuff done here nowadays, right? It seems like. Um, how did you get to be his in-house guy? Just uh, Toby used to work for Fat Records, yeah. and um, Fat Records, uh, I came into contact with for. Uh, from the Lawrence Arms back in, uh, <clears throat> wow, 10 years ago. They've been around a while, a little bit over 10 years ago. And, yeah, so that that kind of came about via that. I think uh, T- Toby moved to Chicago from San Francisco. And um, so then, yeah, when he started, uh, you know, rec- uh, needing places to record, this was sort of a, uh, you know the obvious place for him to work. I, I remember hearing he had spoken, I guess, well of me in the past and liked the work I did. So that was sort of a natural collaboration that was to happen right there. Yeah. I was going to ask if you have any stake in the label. <laughs> no, I do not. Nope, I don't. Uh, but I, uh, I, I am definitely proud of the contribution I've made to his yeah. label. I've, he's got there's a lot of good records on there that I've, that I've been fortunate enough to work on. Yeah. Uh, what have been your favorite records to work on? I mean, do you have one? I'm sure they're all like your children. Exactly. You can never say which one's your favorite child. Um, you know, I think um, there's uh, there's 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 sentimental favorites. There's ones that are that I'm like. I think for a long time, uh, "Greatest Story Ever Told" by the Lawrence Arms was was one that I was perhaps most proud of because I think it's a very creative record I think there's a lot of really interesting sounds and uh, textures on that record uh, we worked really hard on that record and I think that that came out really well uh, more recently I'm very proud of the mass intruder record I worked really hard on that getting the vocal thing vocal things that we do on that and the guitar sounds and the, just the general sound of the whole thing um, the final that last alkaline trio record I did this addiction I thought Sonically, I thought it was really good. I know some folks weren't as happy with the, some of the songs on there, but I, in general, I was very, very happy with that record also. So, yeah, I, I'm, you know, it's it's tough to pick a favorite, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, words. Uh, so, I mean, how do you stay humble with this? Because you, you've got a really good reputation. You're fairly well-known. Um but you seem like really cool, chill, hang out, laid back guy. Thanks, what keeps man. you grounded? Um, the fact that, you know, I, I, I'm not the only person that can do this. And there's lots of other people that are talented and want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I have to always work very hard to continue to do as well as I do because there's plenty of other people that would love to have my job. <laughs> Does uh, So home recording and stuff like that, is that making your job harder now? No, no, I wouldn't say it makes it hard. Actually, and, and sometimes it can even lead to more work. Like, for example, Elway did their last EP in their house, and um, you know, recorded a lot of it in their like their dining room and things like that. And then they sent it off to me to 
to have it mixed, which I love mixing. I love I love uh, the mixing aspect of the of the process. Uh, so that hasn't really, you know, that that I wouldn't say that's necessarily hurt the business at all. I think uh, that that the home recording thing serves a function. I think it's especially helpful when it comes to bands doing demos for sure. And then at some point, if a band wants a more, um, you know, sophisticated or sonically superior sound, they they are going to need to probably come into a place like this where the the acoustics are are set up for recording mm -hmm. and there's some better gear and maybe some better ears and things like that. Nice. Yeah. All right, so well, I'll start start wrapping it up. I I don't really have too much more. Um, you were just saying before I turned the microphone on that uh, you've worked really hard this year and you're looking forward to taking some time off. What else? What else are you gonna? You got in the works? You know, I, I'm trying. Like I say, I'm just working. I'm working with Counterpunch right now and this band Textbook. And for the next, you know, I'm okay with with that. Really, just for the next couple of months because, yeah, in the last twelve months I I, I it was sort of nonstop, um, and I just need to maybe take a little bit slower pace the next few months and just sort of recharge things a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine there'll be some, there'll be some cool things uh, coming up once uh, winter time arrives and it's time to hunker down yeah. away from the Chicago winter inside <laughs> here. What, what bands are out there that you're uh, just becoming aware of that other people should check out? Um, two Chicago bands that I like. Uh, one is called Dowsing. They're playing, actually, they're playing with the Sidekicks next weekend. Oh, um, another one is uh, a band called Truman and His Trophy that I just sort of found on Facebook randomly. <laughs> and I, they're playing this, they're playing Thursday at Bee Kitchen, so I'm going to try to go check them out. But Facebook is great like that. I, they're finally sort of getting their, Facebook's getting the, their, their music pages together a little better now so that it becomes easier to check out bands and their music on, on Facebook. I think they, a lot of times I think they're linked in with Bandcamp and stuff like right. that so you can check it out. So, yeah, I, I, I am always looking out for cool new bands and, and that's sort of been the way that I'm, I've been sort of finding out about them yeah. is that. Uh, any, any future plans for the studio itself? Not, not necessarily bands recording because I'm sure that's kind of hush us, but what, what can we expect in the next couple of years? Yeah, I, you know, we just finished remodeling the control room and we are in the process of getting ready to do some more remodeling in the live room here. Um, and then the lounge and the kitchen and whatnot, the bathroom will get, they will get the, they will, they were going to get, we're going to, uh, put new tile in the kitchen and the bathroom just sort of the places we've been here for six years almost seven years and we're just trying to do a little bit of a um a little bit of an upgrade to the to the decor so yeah but i don't have anything else for you matt anything else you want to throw down in there anything else no you want to i add? i thank everyone for uh enjoying the records i make it means a lot to me and I hopefully will continue to make more records that you like. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for hanging out with me. You know what, man? Thank you. All right, buddies. Well, thank you again to Mr. Matt Allison. Thank you for hanging out and being such a just just being such a laid back, calm, cool dude. Um, really, I'm still just blown away 
just, I'm still just blown away by the fact I went to Atlas Studios. You know, I mean, for me, that's kind of like going to where the Beatles recorded their records. I'm not a Beatles fan, so I don't actually know where the Beatles were at. Uh, or like going to the Blasting Room, which I live in Colorado. I should have been to the Blasting Room at least once by now, but I've still yet to make it there. Uh, so it, it, it's, God damn, it's just a fanboy's dream. So thanks again, Matt, for... Uh, welcoming me into your sanctuary of awesomeness and letting me look around. And and thanks again for uh, mentioning that a Wilhelm Scream show. It was one of the best shows I saw the entire tour. Wilhelm Scream, fantastic band that um, doesn't get enough credit as they res- deserve. They don't normally come this far to Colorado. Just They don't do particularly well out here for some strange, crazy reason. They're one of the best bands in the goddamn world. But in Colorado... Uh, they just don't really draw that well. Uh, so check out Wilhelm Scream. They were fantastic that night at the township. The owner, Brian, of the township was fantastic. And uh, thanks again to Matt Allison for being fantastic. Uh, we're going to go ahead and end this episode off. Uh, no, before I get there, let me let, let me run through the things real quick that I always run through. Uh, please check out MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. Visit the store. I've got pint glasses for sale. I've got T-shirts for sale. Eventually, I'm going to get stickers. I probably should have got stickers before T-shirts or pint glasses. But, you know, I'm ass backwards, and why the hell not? Um, let's see. Head over to iTunes. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please uh, leave us a little review. Click click on that stars. Click that five star button, buddies. There's a uh, we're one of the uh, look through the punk rock podcast. I have one of the higher ratings up there. Uh, Life is a party podcast. Somehow I have 29 reviews. Let's see if we can get a uh, let's see if we can get at least 20, buddies. I got about five up there now. So uh, I'm gonna quit rambling. Um, please. MostAnimousPodcast.com. Check it out. I've got interviews with Andrew WK, the Menzingers, uh, old, 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 old interviews with Rise Against. Uh, let's see. Who else is on there? Who else has recorded at Atlas Studios that's on there? Jeez. 26 episodes, 27. I can't even remember who's all been on the show. But go check it out. Cheap Girls, Menzingers, Wilhelm Scream, old school episode with them. It's fun. Listen to me make a drunken asshole out of myself. Um, we're going to end the song with the song off of uh, one of... One of Matt's very first albums he ever produced. No, we're not going to go with uh, Alkaline Trio's God Damn It. We're going to go instead with the Broadway's Broken Star. Uh, this is one of Matt's earlier records. And this is one of my favorite songs. And I listen to it every Thanksgiving holiday. It's a little song called Everything I Wanted to Know About Genocide I Learned in the Third Grade. Oh, by the way, Slapstick fucking ruled. Slapstick played a small little reunion show. And for those that you don't, uh, for those of you who didn't know, uh, Slapstick broke up. Brendan Kelly went on to form the Broadways, and that broke up and eventually became the Lawrence Arms. Uh, Dan from Slapstick went on to form Tuesday. This little band called Tuesday broke up and eventually became Alkaline Trio. So that's that's the uh, star power legacy of the band Slapstick. There was Ska Band on, Asian Man Records, the Broadways, Broken Star, Asian Man Records. Asian Man Records pretty much ruled the world there for a while, and they still do in my book. Um, please check uh, all these records out and all these bands out we've mentioned today. Um, they're all available on Spotify. If you don't have Spotify, well, I'm sure you can find these records somewhere else. Uh, anyway, please check out uh, Matt's upcoming projects. He's pretty much doing every damn record in the world. Fantastic producer. I'm going to quit rambling. Everything I wanted them to learn about genocide I learned in the third grade about the Broadways. Let's roll. Now can't believe we celebrate Thanksgiving as a holiday of unity and hate. If I get my way, we all dress in black And daddy will serve up the white meat 
Cause genocide is nothing to celebrate Extinction don't deserve a parade Well we perpetuate those lies When the turkeys out we fire I try to explain to my mom But she's too afraid To admit to herself That a race is a killing machine Take a look around your town Take a look around your town Take a look around your town And who do you see? The Native American surprise in the absent it is only to understand You want to know why? It's cause we killed them all It's not that us want to stand Yeah, so I go to college and you know what I learned That 80 billion people were killed By my grandpa, your grandpa and all of the friends They reach out our continent, but that's not the end Last book you did ever reach me Died a century ago Even if I fall in place in the southern hemisphere Where the history even worse than our home No one finds it bookier than a tropic island It's full of people just like you and me Cause Australia's a piece of shit Floating in the Pacific Put by the blood of the Aborigines Put by the blood of the Aborigines Put by the blood of the Aborigines Put by the blood of the Aborigines